Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. 60 KXNO. Ken Miller, Trent Condon. They are Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Good morning. Welcome in once again. Miller and Condon on the air with you here on a Wednesday, Ken's final day in Tucson. We got some beautiful weather waiting for him when he gets back. But Ross Peterson in the hot seat today across from me. What's happening, Rossi? Welcome back, old man. We're going to freeze you to death from Phoenix. Uh, good to see you. How are you doing, TC? Uh, thanks for having me in, man. Oh, of course. Looking forward to I'm, it I'm today. pulling off the triple today. Did you know that? I did the morning show. I saw a, uh, a Twitter beat about you on there. So uh, yeah, you were you were up and moving early. Got up, uh, yeah, got up at five and came in and did that. And I love doing that. And then I get to come in. This is the first time I've been on here with you, like, to do the entire show. Right, yeah. So we've done be, segments, right, we've, we've done, done stuff before. And I've been in here with Ken, but I haven't. This is great, man. Thanks for having me in. Of I'm course. excited for this. Uh, we got a lot on the docket here today coming up on the BM of the BM W Des Moines guest list, easy for me to say. Just one guest today, David Kaplan, who joins us each and every Wednesday. He'll be on late in the program, about 11.35. We'll get to Cappy. Of course, have to record that interview as he's on the air from 9 to noon every day over in Chicago. But he's in the winter meetings right now. He's actually in San Diego. So really good insight from him, both the Cubs and White Sox perspective. And a little story of what he was doing last night when the shot heard across baseball was hit. With Garrett Cole signing yeah, with the Yankees. The, that was the big one. So, uh, now, TC, do, do you chew up all the baseball stuff with him, or do we? Because I was excited to talk baseball with you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because, uh, and, and, and Hawkeye Cyclone basketball. I got some stuff I want to have you kind of pick apart with my brain on what I'm thinking about that game tomorrow night, right? Uh, what, do you want to talk, talk baseball for a second here? Did you, yeah, when yeah. you get into it with Cappy, what's his, cause the White Sox made a move yesterday too. Did you guys talk about this prospect that they pulled in from the Rangers? Yeah, Mazzara has been, uh, this is his fourth year now. He's arbitration eligible. He's under team control for two more years. Oh. Probably going to get about five and a half million this year, depending on the year he has next year. And then 2021 is when, uh, he'll be back out as a free agent, but, Left, lefty doesn't hit lefties, right? He is a power case. guy. Yeah. Yes, he is kind of the the old school power lefty that struggles against lefties. Now, the good news from the White Sox perspective is the change that's coming up in baseball. Have you have you mulled this over at all? The new rule where if you bring in a relief pitcher, that they have to face a minimum of three batters or at the very least finish the inning before you can make a pitching change. It, it we have a 26-man roster now. That is going to be the new norm in MLB. But it is going to completely change the way that managers use their bullpen. Hopefully, the speed of the game also is going to be a piece that goes into this. And I know that was much of the justification behind it. But this is a substantial of a, a roster type of move and a, and a rule change. Some people say since the DH. What, 1972? Yeah. You have to go back for that. This is... This is a significant change in Major League Baseball. I am going to hold off a little bit on this, TC. Um, I don't like it. I'll tell my my gut says this is really dumb, and you're you're kind of you're you're restricting some of the strategy that a manager can use. But I it I don't know that that's true. I 
it's certainly changing it, mm-hmm. right? You're going to change the strategies that are used, but I'm curious as to what that's going to look like because they did back away. They were going to make it mandatory to finish an inning, mm-hmm. right. and they backed away from that and said the three-batter thing, which is because finishing an inning, that would have been a disaster. I, I mean, because – what that trend, you 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 would get guys faking injuries essentially. Oh, absolutely. You'd have that'd be the only way because guys get blown up out there, and you've got to get a dude off the mound. Now with three batters, I've seen one of my favorite memories in a live baseball game, and it, I love the Cubs, but it was Cubs versus Astros. Kyle Farnsworth came in <laughs> with a lead late and gave up a bomb to Carlos Beltran, and then I think I think he you know it was a typical Farnsworth outing. Oh yeah. Right? Comes Cubs, in there, hair on fire. Comes up four to three. Yeah. Looked like he had just uh, maybe went through a session in the yeah, in the right. weight room as he's getting out there. He, Farnsworth goes double hit by you know hits a batter three run bomb plunks the next dude gets thrown out of the game. That's there's the Farnsworth outing. Uh, so I don't know what where I, why that memory just popped into my head with that uh, TC, but uh, you, you can. The three batter thing, I'm okay with. Mm-hmm. If 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 Farnsworth in that situation would have had to finish that inning, he might have plunked another four guys just for the sake of plunking guys. Sure, and you know because he's got to be out there now. At least with that three batter thing, when he goes the, when he hits that dude after Beltron hits the three run homer, now you're okay. He's it's faced his three guys. Come on, get yeah. him out of there. Yeah, yeah. right. Get, get so him. I'm okay with it right now. I'm interested to see what it. I don't like it. I'm interested to see what kind of strategies it brings to the game. You're becoming an old man afraid of change. No, I, no I'm not, Trent. And I, this is what it is. I'm not that I'm an, I'm an old man. I'm becoming an old man. I'm an old soul. But I'm not afraid of change. I just realized change isn't that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. right? I'm not afraid of it. I'm okay with this happening. I'm ca- I, I, I don't know it's going to be that big of a deal. It's not going to impact speed of the game. It's not going to impact... Game to game decisions, those types of things. Over the course of 162, it all evens out. And right? I think if you're cynical about this, that's the right way to, to go about it. Like, this is, it's dumb the premises that they sell us on. Like, hey, we're going to speed up the game and we're going to do that by doing this thing. How much of an, how much of a change is this really going to make? How often does a baseball game turn in to that specialty versus specialty thing? Sure. Once in a while. It does. Once every five, six games. A, a game turns into that. So, okay, now every fifth or sixth game, you've sped up how much? A couple a, minutes. That's it, man. And so yeah. we're not, you're still just, you're picking at the edges of what you're saying the real problem is. Because as the game extends further and further, and it's right. the average game time is what, right. three minutes, uh, three hours and ten minutes, whatever it yeah. is. And now it's 3.04. Okay. All right. You're, if you're going to watch a baseball game, you're going to watch a baseball game. This is not going to impact. This is not going to all of a sudden, boy, look at the demographics of the 18 to 24. They're back into baseball. Right, exactly right. We did it, guys. We solved it. <laughs> Got that three-pitcher thing, that, that three-pitcher rule. Now, if you get and, it down to two hours and 20 minutes, maybe that's a com- But this is not going to be what leads to that. And this is another thing I've learned, again, kind of being an, uh, an old man. or it's, As sports fans, we've seen this enough, man. You can't just make one of these changes at the major league level. This is if if this is going to be how baseball is played now. This is what you've got to do at every level sure. of baseball. And I don't mean down to the little league level, but high school. Mm-hmm. I would certainly think in college you're going to implement this rule, no doubt. Do you do it at high schools and then the minor league level? And right, and all the, the minor league has to do it, yep. right? So 
you've changed a lot of stuff here. And right? roster construction is so different in minor yeah. league baseball. Where where's the impact? You know, the the thing that I thought made the most sense, and it looked like they were trending that direction, and baseball hasn't been able to get the players' union on it yet, is the pitch clock. And you've been to many mm-hmm. games at Principal Park. It's one of the great things about living in this city. Yeah, yeah. is being able to go down to Principal Park and a beautiful ballpark and watch a game there. And that pitch clock, the first time you're there, and what was that, six years ago, I want to say now? Has it been that long? It, it, it's five, six years, right in that range. I, and Trent, it's, I, well, Trent, I would have said it's been there two or three. Oh, really? And wow. It, but you look at it, and you're like, boy, I mean, this is, this is bothersome. I, I can't keep my eyes off it. And then by the third inning, maybe take a peek every once in a while. Don't notice it. And then you don't notice yep. it. Never again. And I don't know how many times I've... You know, it's not like you're. I've never been there when it's like five, four, right. three. You're yeah. trying to count down the yeah. pitcher. Maybe that should have been part of it. The, the because more than anything, field it, advantage. Maybe it, we should start that here at Principal Park. It could be our it's thing. It's the umpire discretion, though. <laughs> right. It's because it's not an automatic. It's not a shot clock. Yeah. It's not like it is in basketball where you got to get the shot off and it's still in your hand as it hits zero. Yeah. The buzzer sounds. No, it's still the umpire. If a guy's slowing down, he's going to call him and he's going to call him for a ball. I thought at this point, though, that Major League Baseball would implement this, that this would be a part because you can feel it at the park. The game does feel much quicker, and Minor League Baseball in general does compared to the MLB product, but you can feel the pace much quicker. If this is mm. what you're looking to do, that can impact it, certainly more than a relief pitcher having to face three My, days. I, I've said this all along, Trent. I think the biggest impediment right now is the instant replay and mm. and i don't want to get rid of instant replay i want to speed the process up no doubt you quit bringing these guys over it's a big ceremony mm-hmm. you bring all of these umpires over to one thing come on put an earpiece in a guy's or raleigh rubin king our chief engineer here at the radio station yeah. i've told this story before his son played college baseball 15 years ago trent raleigh was talking to me about the technology that existed where you could put a buzzer in an umpire's back pocket. And when a ball flew through an invisible, basically basically what we call now the K-zone, and yep. we see that, you can create this technology that puts a, a, a gamma ray, I think is what it's called. And if a ball flies through this area, it buzzes in the umpire's pocket. So the only real thing he would have to judge, because you could set it up permanently 15 years ago, would be that variance in strike zone that happens with height. Mm-hmm. So that would the, the Altuve the, versus Aaron Judge. A, there you go. Right, but but over the edges of the plate, it, it would be automatic. Um, and that was something that I thought this is amazing. 15 years ago, a guy in this building, a brilliant guy, walked me through that technology, and still today, look at what happens with. Balls and strikes aren't even hmm. aren't mechanical. When we have an instant replay, where it, the Kauffman Stadium is the best example, you're sitting down there at Kauffman and there's a play at second base. You know, eight seconds, eight, if, if the worst seat in Kauffman Stadium knows eight seconds after the play happened whether the guy was really safe or out mm-hmm. at first base on a close play. How long does it take the umpire to get it right when they when they challenge it? Three, four, five minutes. Right. right. Expediate the process. It's on a giant screen right. being played over. Because and they over. always talk about, mm-hmm. all right, they're going to check with New York, and they go, just have the guy in New York say this is what it is, or three guys in New York. Better and- idea. But even better than that, Trent. I've said this all along, too. And I think, you know, like um, for a guy like uh, Tim McClellan, who at the end of his career, it became a physical thing for Tim, sure. right? Where it, it, a great job for Tim would have been 
go around. You're the you're the instant replay official. Sure. And we have a lot of. I mean, Major League Baseball is kind of famous for our the umpires are aging out. Mm-hmm. I mean, we unfortunately lost Coop this year, right? right? What would that would have been a great way for these guys at the end of their career and to get young new umpires filtering in to say it's now a five man crew. After you call the game at the plate, you go up and you're the instant replay official. Perfect. And then if you got a guy like McClellan that's a seasoned vet and we trust, you're now just our replay guy. Mm-hmm. You travel with this crew and you're always their replay official and you're the you're the final you're the judge of the game. Yeah. That guy. If you call in and say, "Hey, something happened there. Give me ten seconds." All right, here's what happened, and you can be in the in the ump's ear. That and would speed the game up, and that's the speed that needs to happen. Hundred percent, because we always talk about over. It has to be indisputable visual evidence in order to do it. You should know that within a couple looks at it. Yeah, right. And if you can't tell within a couple looks, it's what the play was called. It, it, right. And there you go. It. I'm with you on that too. It yeah. has to be quick. And, and, it has to be in quicker way, in every sport. In a way, football has this right mm-hmm. that you've got until the next snap. And you can, if you want to burn a timeout and give the official more time, you can do that. But it's a risk. Yes. And if you want to use your challenge flag and risk that timeout on the on the chance that you 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 know you're right, you can also do that. There are a couple options to extend that. The thing that with the Harden deal in the NBA, oh. I had no idea the NBA had a 30 second hard clock. From the moment a play happens, you have thirty seconds. What kind of little league garbage is that? Like, I like it though. I keep uh, the game moving. Keep it moving along. We can't be sitting here, yeah, waiting. Uh, You've been to a game that's before. True. Where that, just, that's a good point. But waiting, I felt like that was one of those situations where you could have gone back. You know, they can go back during a timeout and check if a three pointer, mm-hmm. if a guy's foot was on the line, and go, "Hey, guys," and just, they go to both benches. You've probably been calling games. Yeah. I, I was at a game where Grandview, man, what, this must have been, it was in Dubuque. It was maybe Clark. Okay. Uh, one of those schools up near around Dubuque that Grandview used to play. And uh, your buddies with Andy Woodley. Ask, yeah, yeah. ask Wood about this, okay. okay? Because this is a great story for him. <laughs> he was an assistant coach for Dennis Schaefer at the time. And Clark had a pretty good team. I think it was Clark. And they had uh, Grandview in a stranglehold in the th- in the second half of this game. They're up by like 15, and Grandview starts clawing back. And they get this game down to like a two-point game in the last 35 seconds. And I've, I, let's say Grandview scores to make it a two-point game. They call a timeout. Clark's going to be inbounding the ball. And during that timeout, the head – and I'm at the head table calling the game. Mm-hmm. I The – head scorer is talking to the officials and the announcers and the scoreboard keeper and they realize the scoreboard is wrong oh yeah been there many times before the high school right it's not a two-point game it's a six-point game that clark had four points taken off and i think what it was was a basket had been attributed that's how the the wrong side right and so now Grandview is on fire. We just cut this thing down to two points. We got to make a stop or a foul. And we can win this thing, man. It's a two point game with thirty seconds to play. Whatever it is, you know, I'm pretty close to the details here. And now all of a sudden, the official comes to the huddle and says, "Hey guys, you're down six, and they got the ball." <laughs> I can only imagine how Woodley reacted. Ask him about it. I will. I, will. I think I, I love it. He might have. Yeah, I don't. I don't think he ever got kicked out of a game, but I think that was probably the closest I thought I was going to see to Andy beat up an official fellow official by the way <laughs> anyway you know they and that it was just one of those things it takes the 
it takes the momentum out of it takes the wind out of the sails. Mm-hmm. The game was over in that minute. And you saw everybody's chin hit their chest and went, Oh, are you kidding me? Yeah, this hill's insurmountable. And so it, I can understand in basketball, you're right. It, there, there has to be some sort of statute of limitations on it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, let's, uh, let's get into the here and now. Yeah. And Garrett Cole last night signs the deal. $36 million a year, nine-year deal for Garrett Cole. And he does it with your team that you root for, the New York Yankees. And we were talking a little bit before we came on. The Yankees, at least as much as the Yankees can be, have become... A lovable team, a, a team that isn't as easy to hate as they were before. There's some likable guys on the team, short yeah. of Araldis Chapman, but <laughs> I would agree. By Aaron the way. Judge, you know, he's he's just a big character. He's a mm. huge dude out there, a hulking man. Up and down that lineup, they kind of though they went out and made moves, they were built more in the traditional sense. It wasn't just outspending everybody. Yeah, they, they they brought in Stanton. I think yeah. that's you know that's a traded big off buy. Beltron and, and yep. Chapman to the Cubs that year. They're rebuilding in a way that feels more more natural for most everybody else. And most everybody else in baseball as a baseball fan can understand. But then they go and do this after the success that they've been building the last two years. It's easy to hate the Yankees once again. Yeah. And okay, so buying pitching is something that every team is not only trying to do but has to do. Mm-hmm. It, it, this is just the way you you build hitting. You buy pitching, and uh, the Yankees have not been as good at doing that as like say the Red Sox. And I'm not I'm not just playing the us versus them thing. Sure. Because right? I don't hate the Red Sox. Like I don't hate the the Cyclones, right? But it's an easy comparison. I mean look, they went out and and got Chris Sale. They went out and bought David Price. But this is the way the game is working right now. Um veteran dominant pitchers, established pitchers are rare. Yeah. And w- and when they come around, they're going to get Zach Greinke, and now we can say Garrett Cole type of money. And we used to say David Price type of money. Yeah. This is why, because those guys are just such a rare commodity that you can count on for 25 games a year, probably count on for 15 wins a year, mm-hmm. um, and a couple hundred innings of really good baseball. So if you if there's a guy out there like that, he's going to get a lot of money. The Yankees got have paid now for Tanaka. Yep. They've paid for, I think, in a way you could even say Paxton. Yeah. Right? Sabathia way back in the way, day. And which I think they still pay for for like another 18 years. Is that how long his contract goes? He's got one of those extended. This is the same deal with that, right? He's, yeah. How old is, is Cole? 28? 28 or 29, yeah. Um, so, yeah, this is going to go. We'll be doing the same conversation in a couple years that we had with Sabathia over the last few, which is, man, they're paying him how much? Right. He's how old? He won 11 games last year. Though Garrett Cole, after five years, can still opt out. Yeah, and, and that's I do think, Trent, at some point we we do make too much of these contracts because it doesn't really affect us. It's you know, monopoly right? money. It's it is monopoly money. It affects us, and a guy pointed out this morning, rightfully so. It affects us in like ticket prices, prices yeah. of jerseys, those sorts of things. Um so it does have an impact in some way on our wallets if you buy those things. I my Hulu sports package is going to be a couple pennies more because Major league salaries and NBA salaries and NFL salaries continue to go up, but that's inflation. It's the way the world works. Mm-hmm. Uh, these con- after five years, this guy might not even be a Yankee. If you get a couple World Series, though, that's all that matters. I, I and I've seen a lot of stuff this morning that's like, man, this move makes the Yankees the team to beat. And I always pump the brakes. A lot can happen. Yeah. Right. Garrett Cole could open a Christmas package and cut his arm open, and he misses next year with a 
tendon injury or something stupid. We've seen Baseball a injuries. billion <laughs> things like this happen. Yeah, but you're right. I love the Yankees team. I think that they are built a lot like that that dynasty team that happened, which gets a bad rap for being bought. Mm-hmm. But it's built a lot like that. Because the core four. That core four. You got it right, man. Those dudes came up as Yankees. And then the Yankees went out and traded for some pieces, mm-hmm. like Paul O'Neill. Yes. They went out and bought some pieces that came in as pitchers, mostly arms, that would, would anchor that pitching staff with around a guy like Andy Pettit. And so this is what... That's what this team is. You've still got Glaber Torres, and, uh, and and which I would say Glaber, with the way you acquired him, that's not buying him, right? Yeah, when you, you get a guy when he's young. When you trade right. a guy, yes, yeah. you you trade away pros. I mean, they traded away Chapman, who won a World Series for the team that they got him from. That's a legit acquisition. You didn't buy that. Geo, um, uh, uh, Sanchez, Voit. These are all Yankee dudes. Judge, obviously. Mm-hmm. Now you throw in a Stanton. But that's everybody. Anymore. That's exactly what I'm getting. Yeah. At. I I love this team. I still I don't think they're done. Um, I, I I don't. I think they'll go get something else. I don't know what that'll look like. But the the pitching staff looks solid now. You've got still got a really good bullpen, and the lineup is solid top to bottom. The designated hitter position has changed a lot in baseball, right, Trent? It's not what it used to be. There are no Edgar Martinez's out there. There, are, there aren't even any. Nelson David Cruz or, has been pretty good. That's a good one. That's a rare exception, and right? This year was so enjoyable. Now with the Twins, I mean, when he's with the Rangers in Seattle, I mainly didn't see a whole lot of him. Just knew he put up yeah. good numbers, and you know, had him in a couple fantasy teams. But watching that guy play day in and day out, there's just something to be said. You know, this is a Yankees fan. They're just certain guys, and if you're not a Twins fan like myself. You don't know the day in, day out, the impact that Byron Buxton has. You you see the highlights and see, boy, when he's in the lineup and he's hitting, how good he can be. Mm-hmm. But when you see the impactfulness, and that's another reason I love baseball. And if you're a baseball fan, you have to watch the games. It, it can't just be highlights because there are moments. You know, I have a buddy that's a Nationals fan. And I was in on the Nationals before the season, had them to win the NL. I uh, had a futures wager on that. In fact, hit the World <laughs> Series, though I didn't have the right team before the year. But... Part of the the Nationals in that story is how bad they started and what they went, but even talking to him, the bullpen is awful. But he continued to say, and, and I believed it, they just have to get in. Because yeah. playoff baseball, though, it's been built differently. The Royals kind of changed the script to how you play playoff baseball, but they had to do that because, A, they had three elite-level relievers, but their starting rotation wasn't that great either. Hmm. But now you look what the Nationals did yeah. with Strasburg and Scherzer, and Annabelle Sanchez and, and four really good starters, they could kind of flip the script back to the old school way because that had that elite level. And now the Yankees have a great bullpen. Yeah. So they don't, they're going to win 100 games. They just, that's like just, you said, they're going to get in. They're, they're going yep. to get in. And now they know with Garrett Cole and the way, if he's still the guy that we saw this season, all right, when he's out there, we can get six, seven, eight automatically, yeah. coupled with our bullpen. Then your bullpen even takes a bigger step forward. Where Tanaka, there are times Tanaka you can tell early doesn't have it. And all right, we're going to go with the bullpen in there. Yeah. Get us two and two thirds. That's all we need. Tanaka, you don't have your stuff tonight. Gut it out. Pitch the corners. Hit the edges. Get two and two thirds because our bullpen is completely healthy now. For it changes the complexion of what the Yankees are going to be. And this is the fun part of baseball. You can build different ways. You can do it. But to win the ultimate prize, you have to have that elite-level starting pitching. 
we continue to see that. Am I uh, am I nuts for still holding out hope on Luis Severino? I mean, I when when he's good, he's real good. But how many pitchers have we seen? The starting pitchers that injury after injury after injury, and then does it ever just turn back on? Does a guy ever overcome that and become an elite level starting pitcher? I can't think of an example. Hmm. An example of a guy that has that kind of stuff but has had these kind yeah. of injuries and then finally turned into the guy that we anticipate. He he will he be back next year? Yeah, I think I he'd think be so, back. Yeah. He'd be there like four. Yeah. I'm all right with this. It's a tough place to be. Sign me up for that, man. Oh, man. My twins are still looking for two more spots in the rotation, and that's your number four. Oh, what a place to be. We're going to take a time out here. Coming back on the other side, Ross Peterson in today for Ken Miller. I'm Trent Condon. It's Miller and Condon on KXNO. We're going to get into some basketball. Iowa, Iowa State, tomorrow night, 7 o'clock, ESPN2. And uh, State of Iowa, we can all unite. Dan Dockich will be on the call. We can all hate him together. We'll do that. Talk about the matchup and a chippy one last year. Does that carry over to this year? We'll talk about it next. It's Miller and Kyle. Hawkeyes, Cyclones, Panthers, and Bulldogs. Yeah, we got that covered. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Trek out back with you here, taking you up until noon, joined by Ross Peterson. Triple duty today for Ross. Bingo, bango, bongo. You like Smashing Pumpkins? I do. Yeah, I, I, they're one of those bands, Trent, that I forget about how they kind of make you feel. Today? Yeah. You know, that's a song that I you, you hear it and you go, oh, yeah, man, I remember this time in my life. 1979, I missed the Yeah, the that's cutoff. a great one. I was born in 1980, so I just missed it, but people... You know, you're older than me. That was a big song for them as we were in high school. Oh, the pumpkins. Yeah, I don't. Well, goofy, I didn't, goofy group of people. I, I was born in 1978, also, but I didn't. I, I, that never in any way affected my love for the song 1979. Just missed the cutoff. <laughs> I'm coming up to age 40 here, April. How is it? Is it tough? You really, you want to do this right now, Trent? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, it is. Here's the thing. Um, yeah, I've had a lot. Of, I've had this with a lot of my friends here lately. Actually, man, that uh, forty is hard. There's the midlife crisis is a very real thing. Um, and as guys, we're just such idiots, man. We're so <laughs> just we're just apes, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're idiots, simpletons, total simpletons. We and we. It's even more frustrating for our wives because they continue to get smarter and smarter and smarter as we get older, and we are just then they have to deal with us, right. and we're just they're dragging us along. And you'll notice that eventually, and that it'll it'll settle oh, in, notice. and you'll go, uh, no, I mean it'll it'll really you're noticing now it'll sink in, okay, at some point. And I will even as happy as I am, and I know you're the same boat as me, man. We're so lucky to do this, mm-hmm. man. We have this. We have a job that we wanted to do, and and it's everything we hoped it would be. It's awesome to do this. Even at that, man, I have this thing that I'm like, did I do the right thing? Yeah, because I'm 20 years in now. Mm-hmm. I'm I, there's no there is no other option for for me at 40. It's radio. Mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm a radio dude, and I will be a radio dude forever. I can't go back now and say, oh, you know what? I quit swinging a hammer when I was 21 years old. I want to, or I was a mate. I mean, things I've really done. I was a maintenance man in an apartment complex in 1999. 20 years later, could I fill out an application that had the credentials to 
be a maintenance man again? Hell no. I know how to solder copper pipes. When they show me pecs, I'm like, I think I know. <laughs> right? So, I mean, you'll have this thing at 40 that it's like, oh, God, I'm, I'm, I'm so far down this road, I can't choose another one. Well, at least you have some kind of skills to fall back on. I have nothing. And then here you go. You're, our, you're halfway <laughs> to the breakdown already, my friend. Yeah, um, so, yeah, there is – and you, you got a couple of kids. And, like, we were just talking about this before we came on. There's a new, a new crazy in mm-hmm. your life. It's an awesome crazy, but it's a new crazy. And you and your wife have to very quickly here figure out what the normal is inside of that new crazy. And I, my wife and I did that really well with our first kid where we, we, we did all the nesting, we did all the planning, we had everything ready to go and the baby came in the house. We were dumb enough to think, because we had a great kid, that when we brought a second child in, it would be just as easy yep. and we could transition during the crazy. And you can't. No. So we put her crib in our master bedroom. Well, guess what's happened three years later? That's now her bedroom. (laughs) And we have now adjusted out of that craziness into a new weird, you know what I mean? So this... It's uh, it's the spinning plates on the on the long sticks. You know, you've seen the guy that keeps yeah. fifteen spinning plates, and all of a sudden he's just like, "Well, what? There's there's nothing crazy. I'm not doing anything crazy. This is normal for me. I just do this." And you and your wife will do that same thing. And it, and at forty, she'll be, you know, she'll be worn down. You're going to be worn down. We're two totally different creatures. Men are completely physical creatures. Women are almost, you know, are, are very emotional creatures. I'm, I'm, yes, I'm simplifying all sure. of this stuff. So I know somebody's pissed at me for that. <laughs> but man, it's crazy. Like I had, a, I had a conversation with a buddy the other day. This is a great example of it. He comes home every night and he makes dinner for his family. And while he is ha- making dinner, he has a beer or a glass of wine or something sure. like that, and he just sits in the kitchen and he does that and he enjoys that time away. And he was under the impression that his wife was okay with this arrangement also because she would sit in the living room with the family and kind of do the family thing while he was in the kitchen with his alone time. Yep. He, in his mind, in our mind, he's present, right? Yes, he's yeah. there. He's in the house. That's not what a woman's idea of present is. <laughs> they want you there and engaged and a part of the family, right? And so we're just totally different beings. And then I I'll go through this all the time, TC, you went through the the gold dress, blue dress thing. Yes, and the, right. and the Yanni Laurel deal, dude. Relationships are impossible. I'm going to walk you through. They're, they're impossible when you look at them like this. You and your wife met at one time, and you decided this is the person. This is the one. I get along with her so well. I'm going to get on the same train tracks, and we're going to be parallel from here to eternity. And this is the one for mm-hmm. me. And and it's right. And every, most people that have been married or at any point in their life or have been in love have had that feeling of this is it, found the one. Then you go out into the world and she has her day and you have your day. And she sees the gold dress and you see the blue dress. You looked at the same thing. You She hears Yanni. You heard Laurel. You heard the same thing. And then you come back into the house and you're expected to get onto those, be on those same parallel train tracks. You just went out and had two totally different experiences. And then that happens 365 times in a year. And it happens over 20 years. And we're expected to come back into the house and everything's supposed to be perfect. And we re-roll on that parallel train again. And Unlike who you were. And it's insane. And like you, you everyone about, is evolving and yes, changing. And, and you think about it like that and you go, how do we do this? How do, I mean. Would my wife today marry 
Me of today? My wife wouldn't have anything to do with me of today. If she knew what she knows now, <laughs> right, there's yes. no way she'd be around and I me. I think a lot of married guys probably have that same Trent realization. Said, or, or Chris said that to me one time. Like, Ross, if you could go back, would you do it all over again? Because he thought I would be like, well, hell yeah, yeah. I'm like, what? Do you, no, nobody would. <laughs> if, you, if you would, then I don't know that you really have known each other. Yeah. I, I mean, you know. Well, speaking of crazy. Anyway, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. That no, was, no. You asked. You I asked. Did. I asked. I asked. Good, well, good luck with 40. The, <laughs> the craziness of last year, Iowa State. So I uh, watched a highlight package from last year. I, f- I remembered it was chippy. I remembered especially the end of the game, but I forgot early in the game when Pemsel and Jacobson were getting into yes. it. Yes. And then there was yeah. a little scuffle out there, and Steve Prohm comes running from across the floor all the way to the other Free throw line. I mean, he was out there deep. Was this when the assault on Pems? Well, that was last year that the yeah. assault on Pems. I'm kidding. I'm just trying to stir it up for eight week here. Okay, and, and, yeah, yeah. And it's, it this. felt like it was, all right, it simmered down. There was a ref in there. And all of a sudden, Pemsel comes flying back at him. And he was an instigator in that. Michael Japes, Jacobson absolutely was an instigator throughout. A lot of times, because of turnover in college sports, a lot of the parts continue to move. And, and that kind of chippiness doesn't carry over. That's not going to be the case this year. Trent, I hadn't thought about this at all, and you're you're absolutely right. I I didn't. I I think you're right that this is going to carry over tonight. Cord- Cordell Pemsel has been nothing short of awful this year. And what if this is Bohannon's last game? And it it is going to be in my I, mind. It I is think it absolutely is. I believe it be. is also. Even it, if it is, then everybody realizes what that means in that locker room for these guys. That they're going to say, "Hey, that put it all out there yes. for this dude." Um. Pemsel is a great one. I he played one game last year. Listen, he was he was going to redshirt. The he one guy one that could be an instigator here, and I know it, uh, Chris has told me several times. I think it's George Condit, who's yeah. a Hall of Fame trash talker. But man, Halliburton. Mm-hmm. When Halliburton gets hot, he starts to. I mean, he, oh, he just he gets confident, and yeah. he, you know the call to God yeah. and all that sort of thing. He'll talk to everybody. I mean, that's it right. Matter. That's right. I think you're right. Tomorrow night. He'll be talking night, to Happy on the sidelines for Iowa. He'll be talking to yeah. every Cyclone fan in the front row. He'll be talking to the refs. He'll be talking to the players. He'll holler something to Fran. Oh, this is going to be fun. Gars is going to be bleeding all over somebody. Oh, there's no doubt. <laughs> the physical nature of this one, the chippiness, the opportunity of Jordan Bohannon, if this is his final game, and then he'll get a fifth shot at him. If Iowa can win for the first time since 2003, I'm sure that's on Bohannon's mind being something like that. There are so many factors here. Football is its own animal. Football is football. It's 1 of 12. That's what makes it what it is. Basketball, a lot of times, gets lost in the shuffle. We get excited week of, but but this one has so many more elements than normal for this team. Then you couple with what it means for both these teams, which both teams right now look like bubblish type teams. It's going to be right on the edge, and this very well could be the game that is the difference between going to the NIT and being an NCAA tournament team. There are that many factors with the game. Before we actually get into X's and O's and players and matchups and how you should play and the way these teams should play, this is right up your alley, Ross. This is huh. There are those kind of angles to this game that, frankly, we normally don't have for Cyhawk basketball. Yeah, Trent, the postseason part of this, the only thing I would really push back on what you just said is... Uh, and maybe I'm wrong here. I probably am. I usually am. I think these are both tournament teams right now. Now, when you say that, are you are you kind of thinking? I'm pushing once forward. Once Bohannon's gone, yep. and you're and and you know you're really relying a lot more on Tucson and expecting Frederick to get 15 a game. Mm-hmm. 
Um, then I think you're right. Right now, Iowa looks like a bubble team. But, man, look at what these losses are. Yeah. DePaul went on to beat uh, – I think they beat Texas Tech. Texas Tech beat Louisville last, last night. night. Man, they weren't even a loss. Hawks have that as a win, and that looks like a good win again, or it will, I think. Um, who's the other one? San Diego State's undefeated. They are. Michigan has Michigan's, one loss. <laughs> two Louisville. Yeah, yeah right. So – if you were to build a field right now, they're in. Yeah. Hawks are in, right? yes. and, and, I'm, and so I think if you're looking forward, the Big without Ten is, Bohan and, and, the, and, the, and the Big Ten beating them up, the Big Ten's going to be a lot Iowa more difficult. Looks like a bubble team. Yes. I think that Iowa State is a. Tr- My expectations have risen one notch. I thought the Cyclones were going to be a bubble team, probably mm-hmm. in, and the Hawkeyes were going to be an NIT team, hopefully bubble. Now I think it's the other way around. I think it's the stair step, or not the other way around, a stair step up. I think Iowa State is a tournament team. And I think that the Hawkeyes are a bubble team, hopefully, in the tournament. They're much better than I thought they were going to be. And I think Frederick can take that same uh, step that Wieskamp did his freshman year around Mm -hmm. this time. We saw the same sort of thing, right? Every now and again, you'd see Wieskamp out there and you'd go, oh, man, he doesn't look confident. He's not really putting up shots. The next game, he'd go for 10, and he'd have a couple of big threes. And you go, yeah, we see it. And then by mid-January, we're all going, whoa. This guy can be really play. good. Yeah, he's he's big time. Frederick, when he committed. Now, there, there's so many factors that go into a recruit. And you get the top 100 list you know, from rivals. And, okay, he's ranked 73rd. He's got to be pretty good. He wasn't there. And then you find out, well, really the connection here is C.J. Frederick, his dad, his buddies with McCaffrey, and not only that, but he's basically going to come for a year knowing he has to redshirt for the first year and then be a scholarship player for the four years after then. And, well, this guy can't be that good, right? It's another Caucasian two-guard. It's Josh Oglesby. It's Brady Ellingson. It's those players that weren't impact players. C.J. Frederick, first of all, much more athletic than I anticipated. Yes. he's He's got hops. He has... He actually gives a crap on the defensive end, something that hasn't always been the case with Iowa players. That little backdoor cut the other day, I thought when that happened, I thought, look at J-Bo, man. He looks like that. I did. I I saw it happen, and I thought to my head, man, J-Bo does not look like a guy that's going to shut it down. Look at how athletic that was. And then it it zoomed in, and it was Frederick. Mm -hmm. It's like, damn, that was a nice little cut, grab and, and scoop and score. You, you know, mentioned was... the Texas Tech game. Late in the game, where did they go? Right. They went and... to CJ Frederick, and he's got the clangers. I mean, he, he wants to take <laughs> yeah, the right. he wants to take the big shot. He is not scared of the moment. <laughs> I always had those guys that were scared of the big moment. Jared Utoff didn't always want the ball in those situations. Mike Cassell, you know, they had Iowa State beat in Hilton. Mm. And then free throws late in the game, and he was never right from the free throw line from then forward. After that game, he was not the same kind of guy, at least at this point. And we're still talking about a redshirt freshman that's 11 games in to his career. But C.J. Frederick has, it's a part of, it's a deeper, it's nothing you can measure. Yeah. You can't put it on a computer computer model, anything like that. But he has that extra something to go along with. A good player. What's the, uh, where are we at with the spread on this? Be about four. three and okay. a half, four, yep, right. right in that range. Ken Palm has a, a three-point spread, 81-78. Are you able to? I'm assuming with your astuteness in the uh, gamblingness, yes, yeah. you uh, you're able to remove your Iowa fandom from stuff like this. I am. Yeah. What's for the, the gam- What's the gambling part of your brain tell you on this? I, I think anything four and under, I'm going to lay it with Iowa State if it gives yeah, above that's a good that. Idea. That's, if it's yeah. four and a half or above, I, I would yeah. grab the points. So yeah. I think 
we will see this afternoon. That's when Vegas will come out with their numbers, and we'll find out. Then the rest I can of the see Iowa here. State five, six, seven. Even, and, and at that know, range, but, I'm probably going to jump on Iowa. Yeah, but if it's in that three and a half, four range, staying I away. Make a bet. Oh, no, I can never stay away. <laughs> stay away. I, I, I got a, I got a sickness. Got to play the line, man. I got a sickness. I, I certainly I love it. can't uh, do that. I okay, love this matchup. Can we, do we have a few more minutes here? Yeah. Okay, look, because the other thing I want to ask you about is uh, more like uh, strategically from Steve Prohm's side of this. Yeah. You know the Iowa basketball team well. You've now watched them in a couple of, of good games. And you've seen some different defenses and strategies thrown at this team. Primarily, the Michigan strategy, if you will, of let Garza go, play the perimeter, shut down Wieskamp, make sure Frederick has nothing, and uh, and you know Bohannon is limited, and let Garza go, and, and and we'll win this game. And Michigan was able to do that and and win. But um, Monday night with Jake and Jess, a listener called in and said, "What do you do here? Do you let Garza go?" Or do you go out and do you let Garza go and attack the perimeter, or do you send Solomon Young and uh, and and Condit and Jacobson down there to to really play physical with Garza? Listener called in this morning to the morning rush and asked the same thing, and I told him the same thing that I want to start with this with you. Jake and Jess both said, "Play the perimeter, go the Michigan route." Let Garza cover have up the shooters. Yep, yep. Let Garza have his time and 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 cover the shooters. Can't you do both? And and what would you do, or what do you think is going to happen? So, if I'm prone, first of all, this Iowa State team is built differently than any Iowa State team under prone. They have three legitimate big guys. A lot of these years, they've had one. Yeah. And because of that, a you have to double to try to keep those guys out of foul trouble. You have to double because. You don't want those guys being impacted in that part of the game. But because you have three big guys and you have guys that you can play together, first of all, I'm playing George Condit a lot. I'm getting him up and down the floor, and I am going to wear Luka Garza out. You're going to guard Condit? Okay. You better catch up to him. Good luck to you, Luka. Yeah, I think that's that's a good... Yeah, right. You're doing that part of it. Salomon Young, he can get up and down the floor. Jacobson can get up and down the floor. Jacobson is a very good on-ball defender for a big guy. And even though he gives up some inches a lot of times to guys... He's very good. I'm throwing a lot of different looks at them. But because you have three guys, you can play physical with Luka Garza. And you don't have to throw doubles, but I'm changing it up. A couple possessions in a row, we're going to throw that double. You go in the post to Luka, we're going that way, and then we're going to go the next four-minute stretch, whatever it is, and we're going to go, and we're going to just be physical. Whoever's got him, Solomon Young, bang him. Yeah. Make make him earn it. He's going to do that. And Luka Garza will grunt and holler and yell at the official and one every single time he gets bumped as he does, but... You can play different ways, and that's something that Iowa State hasn't had the ability to do. That's the X and O. That's the chess match here for Prome that I'm interested to see. And then do they make the decision also to play two guys, big guys, together? Because Iowa now, with the injuries that they have, Pemsel has been nothing. And if that continues tomorrow night and they try it, but it's not working and Pemsel's what we've seen this year, it's mm. down to just Garza and Kreener. Well, then you don't play those guys together very often. Right, right. They're playing a four-guard lineup a lot. All right. Connor, Connor McCaffrey, you're going to have to guard Michael Jacobson. Good luck to you. You're going to have to guard George Conant, Solomon Young, because if you play that four-guard lineup, you go with two bigs. I was not built right now to be able to defend that very well. 
Yeah, J-Bo was playing the the baseline in that that, uh, that zone at one point yeah. the other night. And I was like, I don't think this is supposed to look like this. No, not But, at all. <laughs> but maybe. I mean, I'm not the coach. Uh, it, yeah, you do have a lot of looks. You can come at Garza with all of that. The other thing with this, uh, Trent, I was thinking as you brought up the, last year. Uh, you know, there, my, my knee jerk to that was like, yeah, man, Trent's exactly right. This Iowa team is just tougher, and they're going to come out and they're going to have more, more spit in them, you know? Mm-hmm. Iowa State played hard against Seton Hall. That, yeah. that game in Hilton Coliseum, man, these dudes don't have a lot of bulk on them. I mean, Jacobson's probably the thickest guy on that, but, man, they don't care. They they are tough, and they they fought in that game. They, that was a... I think Chris even said this. Like that, almost looked like a West Virginia type of basketball game. The clutch and grabbing. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't necessarily the the Jacobson lockdown. By the way, Northern Iowa. We should talk about that. Here. Yeah. The, the, it wasn't necessarily that type of lockdown. It was just tough. Yeah, clutching, grabbing, bodying. We're we're gonna make you work for every inch when you come across the line. And um, so this team is capable of doing that. If Iowa shows up tonight with the attitude and the spit and the vinegar and they want to do that thing, I think that, or tomorrow night, we're going to get a really fun game. Physical. Yeah. wonder what the total is going to be. That's something to keep an eye what's on. Your number on. What's the number on that? They had 81.78, so you're looking at 159. I would guess it'll be a tick lower than that, probably 155 range. I don't see that, that many points. Low. Yeah, that seems low. Seems, that seems yeah. like you'd go under that. Uh, I think first one to seventy five wins this one, but maybe even lower than that. We'll, we'll you find know, out this I, afternoon. Maybe not, You'll right? be able because to talk about it this look afternoon. Look at the off, the offensive efficiency of I was like fourth in, yeah. in adjusted offense, yeah. and they're like one hundred fiftieth in adjusted defense. Defense has improved; they're up to one hundred fifteenth now. One hundred fifteenth, yeah, big jump there. Um, Beating the Gophers and having Gabe Kasher not Iowa hit the State, shot. Iowa State has not really had a a, a great shooting game, so they're probably due for that. Mm-hmm. They're certainly due to start shooting the ball better here. They're thirty percent from three point. I might, right I might take the over on that, Trent. I could maybe see this game. And by the way, and you know, it's going to be a close casino, game. It'll just be you and me can bet. Well, I don't like doing that. I don't <laughs> bet. But I, this is a game that could sneak into your overtime too. And really, the, the real reason I don't gamble for things like this, I could see this game being close enough that it gets into overtime. And oh, once yeah. you get to overtime, you're definitely getting the over. On then that. you got the over. You're in good shape. Can I can I bet if a game is going to go to overtime? Some places, usually not for like a regular season game like this, but yeah, when you get to playoff Super Bowl, but those I imagine type I of get things. really good odds for that. Oh yeah, see yeah. that would be four, the five, six to one. Probably. So here's the other thing: can I like uh, when Alabama is playing, you know, Georgia Southern? Mm-hmm. How much would I have to bet to to just say I I think Alabama will win this game? With point spreads that big, a lot of times they won't even put a money line oh, on it. Oh, okay, okay. All so right. you wouldn't even be able to get a price and back the other way. You know, when we've seen those huge upsets, they won't put it because the casino, the liability is not worth it. Because I'm because conser- you got- I'm conservative enough of guy that if you told me I had to bet ten dollars to win forty three cents, yeah, and I was like, well, I know Alabama's going to win the game. I'll at least do that and add the forty three cents to my account. I was thinking to myself, couldn't you just kind of not necessarily, not necessarily make a living, but yeah, play like the uh, the mutual fund long con game on the investment and say, I'm just going to trickle my way into... One of my buddies tried that for a football season. It didn't work out very well. Right, Upsets uh, still happen. And then, and one, and then, and then the ones. one upset happens and you've lost seven your, years of... Your bankroll is all down. Trent, this is why I talk to people before I make dumb decisions. <laughs> We're going to take a break. You Wait, mentioned this is why I talk to you before I make most of my dumb mo- decisions. Most of your yeah. dumb decisions. <laughs> you and I... Quite the week for the Panthers. It started last night with the win against a ranked Colorado team on the road. They go to Grand Canyon, 
one of the best environments in college basketball against Dan Marley's team tomorrow night and then Friday night. It's the quarterfinals of the FCS playoffs. We'll talk about that a little bit coming up on the other side. Also some bowl games. I got a theory I'm going to float out to Ross. We're taking you up until noon. David Kaplan still to come in the 11 o'clock hour. Miller and Connick continues. For a limited time only. It's 24-hour sports, morning, noon, and night here on 1460 KXNO. Just about a minute left here of our number one. Still another hour to go. David Kaplan will be stopping by about 11.35. A look at the Bears as they get ready for the Packers. Of course, winter meetings as Cappy is set up there in San Diego. We met you going into the break, Ross, as Ross in for Ken Miller today. That uh, you and I, impressive performance last night in A.J. Green. <laughs> Coach's kid, assistant coach Kyle Green, his son, he was a top 100 player nationally. Surprised to many people he ended up, you know, he could have been at Virginia yeah. you know, on that national championship team he, a year he ago. Had a, he had some offers out there. I mean, he had he could have gone some places, no doubt. But had the ball in his hands a lot as a freshman, took some lumps. They made the run to the MVC championship game, blew a big lead against Bradley. But this team appears on the cusp of having a big year. Certainly the favorite, I'd say, right now in the MVC. Yeah, this Missouri Valley Conference looks really good. I mean, Drake has had a nice little performance here earlier. What are they, 8-2? and two? Yep. They get Dayton on Saturday, so we'll get maybe a little bit better of idea. It's a good Dayton team. Better idea of how you are top 15. Yeah. Uh, we'll get a better idea of what Drake is, is, is made of there. But this is a big win for Northern Iowa, man. 20 for Green last night. Five threes. This is fantastic, man, and a real chance to do something special as they could go into conference play with just that one loss. Looking at it right now, if we were still using the RPI as opposed to the new net, Panthers would be 29th in the country. Nice. Unfortunately, they're using the net now. They're ranked 167. Yeah, big difference. In that metric. Now we're number two. Coming your way next.